0: Good evening, once again, my friends. This is The Tomorrow Christian Today, reading 1 Corinthians 6 in the NLT. Let's pray. Let's ask and invite the Lord to be with us as we read his word and be impressed by his Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, my friend, uh, Mr. Crawford. Thank you for the surgery that went well. His wife wrote to us and said that he was sitting up and writing. She'd first seen him groggy, but he's doing so much better and so quick. And I pray, Lord, that you keep the cancer at bay, that he's had all of these things happen to him in the prostrate, the colon. And Lord, just please help this man because he's been so kind to me and he's uh, helped me to weather my life and been a real influence with the scriptures and he has a definite deep love for you. And Lord, I know that you get to a certain age and our days are numbered, our days are finite. You know the day of our departure. But just praying lord that you delay his keep him well help him not to be in pain thank you lord for the prayers thank you for giving him healing and i hope that the surgery has gone well and that his healing will go well and that the cancer will be put into a box and it will stay there and not come back out ever again that's my hope that's my prayer your will be done bless us now as we read your word help us lord to really think about what we read Help us to really grapple with it. Give us the Holy Spirit power to do that. Forgive us our sins. Put into us that love, joy, hope. We can only love ourselves if we know we're loved by you. And it says to love your neighbor as yourself. It's really hard to do, Lord, but loving yourself as the world says does not work because people are doing this on the internet and they're full of darkness and emptiness and unhappiness and they don't smile. Give us that joy, Lord that when we smile, people will wonder why we can do that in the face of everything that's going on. And we will say that it doesn't come from us, it comes through us, from your Holy Spirit and your kind heart and through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. I pray in the name of Christ, amen. 1 Corinthians 6, I see a subtext here, it says, avoiding lawsuits with Christians. When one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers. Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can not you decide even these little things among yourselves? Well, I don't really know. You know, I'm sure that Christians do take other Christians to court because maybe they don't want to figure it out in the church or they don't want the church matters to be broadcast in church. I mean, the law is the law, you know, the law of the land is uh, apparently, you know, God is not invited to anything in this world, in our society even though our societies in North America were very Christian-based, they don't seem to really be centered on God, although people do say God, but people have different ideas how to get to God, different faiths. And I have to respect that even if I don't agree. But I don't really know if this passage is telling people in the 21st century um, that they should not go to a court to settle their differences, even if it's sadly between two Christians, because maybe that's really bad advice, you know? And I'm not saying the Bible is not relevant. I just, you know, there's a lot of things going on. And sometimes, you know, you need a lawyer. I mean, with my own family matters. Guy knocked on my door. I remember it's like, oh, wow. You know, this is, these are words and separation agreement. It was like, got to get a lawyer. Of course, maybe it's good to have a Christian lawyer too. Maybe we should encourage our children to be lawyers, but Christian lawyers where God is put first and they want to do what is right Everybody has a right to legal representation, but, you know, you have a Christian lawyer, you have someone who has the same beliefs as you, it's, I guess it helps you as a believer to really relax. You know that somebody's going to go to bat for you, but they're also very honest too. I'm not saying that lawyers are dishonest, because I had a lawyer who was not a Christian, uh, but he was very honest with me, and I I did try to understand what he was saying. But I don't think this passage is, is saying something that... Um, it's irrelevant. It's just that I think we have to understand. We have to weigh the con- pros and cons of keeping our disputes in the church, or maybe deciding to move out into a court of law because maybe that's what you know has to be settled. I mean, I can't really give advice. I'm not involved in the legal system. I do remember remember that show. It was People's Court. It was with Judge Wapner, and the guy said, "You know, if you have a problem with someone, don't get angry. Um, you take them to court," because it was just. Just settle the matter, legally and calmly. Verse 4, if you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I am saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues, but instead one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers? I guess this was going on inside the Corinthian church. So the Corinthian church was the church, it was in Corinth. Corinth really didn't have a good reputation and these people were coming out of that. But there was still a lot of sin, still a lot of narcissism in there. We all still have the old man of sin, the old uh, the the part of us that needs to be ruled by the old covenant is still there, although it has been defeated. Verse seven: Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let others? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you or yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat, even your fellow believers. So he's saying this, leave it. I don't know what exactly this means, I will be honest. But he is calling them out and saying some people are the ones who are doing the cheating and that's wrong. You're the ones who are initiating the cheating and you're cheating fellow believers. And he obviously calls that out. And I think that's really very visible and apparent to see that that is clearly wrong. As an unbeliever, as a believer, as a Christian, you should not want to cheat other people. It should not enter into your head. And even the tax collector um, Zacchaeus said, "If I've wronged anybody, I'm going to give back four times as much." Right? He wanted to settle things and make it right. Verse nine. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will inherit the kingdom of God? Don't will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me read that again. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are prostituting themselves or practicing illegitimate forms of lifestyles or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So he's not condemning people. He's saying that he's evaluating them. He's saying that you are doing wrong, but God gives you a chance. You have a second chance with God. You have a second chance with God, but I guess you're the person that has to seize it. The road of salvation has been marked out by Jesus and his Father, but you're the one that has to walk on it. You can only walk with the power of the Holy Spirit but you're the one that has to put your feet forward. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Avoiding sexual sin. You say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, although someday God will do away with both of them. I don't know what that means. Does it mean you won't ever eat? Does it mean that we'll have like a a holy body with holy organs where we do eat food we do have pleasure like i would think it would be really terrible if we don't ever eat in heaven like i think jesus made a meal he had a perfect body when he came out of the tomb he had a glorified body he had an immortal new covenant body but he still sat he still ate uh, fish with the disciples he cooked fish for them he did say to the people when he first appeared see give me some food see that i'm solid no handle me and see that i'm solid i'm not a ghost i'm not a wraith you know, you can't see through me like Casper the Ghost. Like I'm a very real person. I have a very real body. Although it's not subject to sin and corruption and death and disease and cancer like the, like the one I had before. And it can't be killed. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by His power just as He raised our Lord from the dead people do things I didn't have that kind of lifestyle but some people do but the Lord gets a hold of them and they get transformed in their hearts and their minds and they renounce that kind of thinking and they renounce it you might have consequences from that lifestyle but they still renounce that lifestyle and they vow not to do it again some people fall off the wagon you know what with God you get right back on again God pulls you up off the ground gets you on your feet dusts you off and says hey move on follow my son you're forgiven Let's try it again. That's what grace is. It's a do-over, it's a get out of jail card, but not for you to keep on doing it willfully, but to, you know, you made a mistake, you blundered it, you didn't want to, you're sorry, you repented. God says, let's get a move on. Don't wallow in it, keep keep going forward. We all gotta remember that. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they ran away from God. That's what you do, you feel ashamed, you feel embarrassed, but eventually you say, Lord, I messed up, I didn't want to, I'm really sorry, please forgive. I'm moving on let me try it again because I've made lots of sins and that's the conversation afterwards although not always immediately afterwards sometimes I just want to hide sometimes I just want to give up and I'm sure that I'm not that different from other people who feel the same way but yet at the same time you become a Christian and you know that it's true where are you gonna go the Lord said to to the gang are you guys gonna leave too and Peter says Lord there's no place else to go you got the words of life. Nobody's given us anything any better. We can, we, we've gone forward with you. We can't go backwards. We can't go back to the life we had before. We can't go back to finding fulfillment in non-godly things and drugs and, and sexual immorality and whatever you were doing. Yeah, maybe you might still be watching movies and stuff like that. You know, God will sort of cleanse you if there are certain movies you, sh- you know you shouldn't watch. And you know, he'll just sort of take the interest out of you. I, I would swear that when I became a Christian, I still wanted to watch the movies that I saw before, you know, because I like a drama, I like the stories, I don't like the swear words, but you know, it's like, sometimes you, you look at it now and you go, it doesn't do nothing for me. I don't feel the same interest about it that I did before. It's not that exciting. It's kind of made up stuff. It was, it was funny, it was dramatic, it was visual, but it's kind of boring now, you know? My priorities are different. They're not earthly anymore. They're heavenly. Verse 14, And God will raise us up from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. You've been raised from the dead. You've been given a second chance. Like Jesus, you're coming out of the tomb of your previous existence. It wasn't going anywhere. It was just darkness. You know, Jesus rose from from the dead, and he's in this dark tomb, and he knows where the door is. Jesus knows where the door is. That's that's the darkness of our previous life. I had a great life before. I had a family. I went to church. I, I believed, but somehow there was this darkness. I just felt closed up and isolated. And I just feel different now. And there's been some anguish and problems and stuff. Nothing that nobody else has ever, uh, that other people have not faced either. But it's like, you know what, Lord, I can see now. I can see why these things happened to me. It had to happen this way. It can't happen any other way. You don't get transformed and chiseled and sanctified just in one eye blink you know you may you may think lord i want to turn the ship around and but then there are things that god god's gotta gotta take off you there's stuff that's been grown in your heart like a fungus he's gotta he's gotta take it off he's gotta cut it off it takes time it takes time verse 15 don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of christ Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says, two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The flesh is gonna uh, war against the spirit. The carnality of your body, you know, is gonna war against your mind, your decision to be with Christ, the Holy Spirit. It's gonna happen. You're in a battle. You're in an inner civil war. But Jesus won. Remember that Jesus won. And if you really want to win, you'll win if you put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. Verse 17. But the Lord who is joined, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. I love that. That's victory right there. Okay, that is victory right there. That's the end game. That's the goal. That's eternity. I love working out and have fun. But you know what? I'm working out for a reason i'm chiseling my character i'm going to eternity i'm going to the door of eternity and if jesus wants to let me through i'm going to be with my heavenly father forever and ever i'm going to move through the universe at the speed of thought he's going to give me something to do something with stewardship something with action something with responsibility you get rewards but you get responsibility in eternity your life is not over in the grave if your grave is all your if that's all you'll ever reach, if you perceive that's all you'll ever reach, you'll never really amount to anything because the grave really has nothing. The, grave, the end goal of the grave is nothingness. If the grave is all you'll ever see in your life, you know, death and taxes, and death is, the, the goal of your life is nothingness. But when the goal of your life is perfection and eternity and forever being alive and conscious with God, you're gonna go places. You're gonna go up high. Run from sexual sin, verse 18. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You belong to God now. In the old covenant, they lived in they went into a temple, they went into a building. We all go into church. God is there. But you know what? God is God is inside of us. We're the temple. God lives in us. We're the church. You want to keep your church good. You want to keep yourself pristine, pure. You want to give yourself standards. You want to give yourself um, ideal standards and goals. How you look, how you how you are, how your health is, how you dress. That's, that's, that's between you and God. But I would be hard pressed to believe that somebody becomes a Christian and they still don't care about themselves, about their health, about keeping themselves well. We met a man who's 101 years old. I don't know if I told you, and he was eating non-diabetic foods because his wife was diabetic. And that's probably why his blood sugar is 5.5. And he's 101. Now, he doesn't have cartilage in his knees, and they have to give him an injection so he can actually walk around. He can walk, but very slowly. He has a walker. But what I'm saying, he said, I want to keep myself good for the girls. That's what he said when he was a young man. That's what he said. Even though he was married, you know, for many years to his wife, and she died first, she she said one day she had some coffee and she said, I'm not feeling well, I wanna lie down. And, and then he went into her and she said, I'm not feeling well, I love you. And he says she died right there. She put her head on his shoulder and died right there. And that was many years ago. I, as soon as I walked into his house, my dad knocked on the door. And as soon as we walked in, I saw the man, It's like, I've seen him before. I saw him when I was a kid and he's still alive. He's 101. I thought my dad was a the tenth one of the one of the seventh Marvels of the world at 93 he's 101 and when this man talks you know when you when somebody talks to you and you say the lights are on and nobody's home well when this man is talking to me the lights are on and everybody's at home everything and the way he spoke his memory his the way thing he talks about facts and details in a way that I never can totally on man that brain is working and I'm thinking you know what I need to be healthy you need to keep yourself well. And he's, he's a Roman Catholic, actually. The, he has a picture of the Last Supper on his, um, on his wall. Jesus' head is the highest point in the whole house. I mean, as far as pictures and ornaments are concerned, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, the Son of God, had something to do with this. Why this man is so mentally alert at 101. But he kept himself well. He kept the body well. And I think as Christians, I I know we want to do that. There there has to be some attention to health and to wellness and to mental acuity and what you put into your mouth. Jesus said what you put into your mouth is not sin, it's what comes out of your mouth. But if you put good things into your body, into your temple, into your church, it's going to treat you well. You don't have to deal with all these drugs and doctors and operations and stuff things happen i'm not saying don't people can be healthy and st- things still happen because of genetics or whatever just a bad deck of cards you were dealt with or something i'm not saying that but what i'm saying is in all in anything that is within your power to make better and make well do it god will give you that power I'll read the whole thing again, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Verse 20: For God brought bought you with a high price. So honor God with your body. With your body, with your soul, with your might. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your best. And even if you're not the best, I always tell my friends and they ask me if I'm working out and stuff. And I have some really driven friends. They're not Christians, but they still work out. I say, I don't don't need to be first anymore. I don't need the attention. I just need to keep running. I'm happy if I'm last, as long as I'm going forward. Because when you stop running, you stop moving and you stop living. You're a Christian, you're the creme de la creme. God has made you that, so do it. It's a Nike commercial, do it, because you'll be doing it for all eternity. Responsibility and reward. And we'll be with God at his right hand forevermore. Because at his right hand forevermore is joy. And I would like to feel joy every single day. And I imagine that you would too. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you.